0: Welcome back to the Noel Kassler Podcast, episode 67. Boy, am I happy to be back with you guys. Hope everybody had a wonderful week. Hope everybody's enjoying the hearings. I don't know if enjoying is the right word for what we're witnessing, but boy, are they powerful. And we'll get into all that in a minute. But I just want to welcome everybody back. And I want to take a moment to thank all you beautiful people that came out to see me in New York City and Philadelphia last week. It could not have gone better i I cannot tell you what it feels like to meet in person some of the folks that listen to this podcast and that follow me on twitter and the amount of heartfelt things that people come up and say to you does more for your soul than than words can describe you know it's like meeting a family you didn't know you had you know it's really like it's a wonderful feeling you know it's like there's presence and love out there for you that you don't even know because when you're doing a podcast like i do pretty much solo and when you're sitting there tweeting it's anonymous and digital and then when you get and you see these people and you get to look into people's eyes and and they thank you and you thank them it's just a wonderful thing and i have the best audiences in the world people come out to laugh and they're smart they tell me how smart they are And I hope I never underestimate that. You know, the one thing I'm learning the more of these shows that I'm doing is that I can talk about anything with you guys. And you'll go there with me. And that's just like an incredible feeling because there's so much to talk about. And it's also fun too, right? I hope everybody had fun. It seemed like a pretty joyous, fun event. I play city wineries, which are also great. You know, they have a lot of great food and and drinks and wine and stuff. And they're really kind of high class facility so it was incredibly successful and i thank you all for coming out and i'll be out again and if you're listening i'll also be in cape cod on august 3rd at the music room which is a similar venue it's a music uh, theater and it has a wine bar and it has like you know top shelf kind of stuff so come on out if you're in cape cod this summer the details are on my website noelcastler.com let's get into it okay i'm a little late putting this out i know it normally comes out on noon it's monday i'm doing it in the afternoon so you're going to hear it after i watched the second hearing which i think was incredible today right we'll take that one first because i think the overarching theme that came out of that besides rudy giuliani's drunkenness which i think i've told y'all about before see i wasn't lying he's a drunk you know there's so much of this stuff was fueled by addiction and alcoholism and stuff i I don't say that as a joke you know it may come out as a joke but i'm not kidding anybody who's been in active addiction knows what it looks like and also knows that that's not the person you want making decisions for the benefit of others right because when you're in that frame of mind you're basically only thinking about yourself besides the fact that you're just obviously impaired right so they painted a picture of a drunk you know inebriated as Liz Cheney called him Rudy Giuliani being in the White House the evening of November 6th when they were watching the returns and and nobody was getting through to Trump and basically Giuliani was the guy who went in there and bent his ear to the fact that like you don't need to declare that you lost you know don't congratulate Biden we can grift these people for months off of this stuff I have all kinds of tricks up my sleeve to keep this big lie rolling so go out there and tell the big lie and what did Trump do he snorted some Adderall and walked out there at two in the morning if you remember he was high on benzos I know when he does the Adderall and the benzos because he just completely can't talk and that's how he was that that early morning presser and, and you got to think about that. I mean, it's almost beyond parody. We're talking about the one-time America's mayor, which was a fraud anyway, right? If, if you break down what he did after 9-11, it was all a, a myth that the media and that Rudy himself perpetuated. It wasn't real. He was a scumbag long before 9-11, and his true self has come out now. But that guy was sitting in the White House, you know, in the private residence where they were having a party, you know, drunk out of his mind and convinces the president of the United States not to declare that he lost the election, to fight it. And the guy fights it, right? Culminating in attacking the Capitol on January 6th, which they showed on Thursday at the first hearing, which was, I think, for most of us, you know, just beyond powerful. I I wasn't fully prepared for what it was going to feel like To watch that footage again, and I'm sure many of us feel the same way if you're listening to this. I mean, it's like PTSD. It's trauma. Watching that, the anger and hatred that these people had, you know, attacking the Capitol, attacking these police officers that are just trying to protect democracy. It was really something to behold, you know, and, and just inexcusable. That people did that and then went back to their hotel rooms and partied, right? They all walked out of there like they were leaving a concert. (laughs) None of them got arrested that day. Now there's been like 900 arrests, but at the end of the day, they just filed out of the Capitol after defiling democracy, you know, and, and attacking police officers, and some of them paid with their lives. And the testimony of Officer Edwards, I believe that is her name, was incredibly compelling. You know, I mean, it was like central casting. She was so good at taking you there and relating these stories and the the horror of it and the way she reacted to it, you know, after losing consciousness and getting knocked out and then going back and getting right back on the line and then slipping in blood, you know, in her colleague's blood. Like, I mean, it was, you know, beyond the pale. How is this happening in a civilized society? and and what was it happening for right that's what we learned today they all knew it was a lie trump knew it was a lie that morning i've told you guys this before but like i'm a pretty good judge of that guy's character unfortunately (laughs) you know because of life circumstance you can't bullshit a bullshitter and i could tell when he's just completely full of it and the morning of november 6th i believe the election was november 6th right that morning that tuesday morning I was sitting in a car in Manhattan, sitting in my car and listening to Sirius XM. You know, it was early, no poll results had obviously come in. And they carried a live feed of him doing one event, which is he went to visit his headquarters in Northern Virginia, the Trump campaign headquarters. And I remember the sound of his voice. He was so deflated that I was like, oh, he already knows he lost. You know, these campaigns have internal polling data. They know where I was going to shake out because they only they had to win a couple of states right if you weren't going to win those states you weren't going to win the election so he knew that morning he had lost and the results only confirmed that throughout the day and the evening and then when fox called arizona for biden you know which the guy testified today the fox news employee who got fired for making that call essentially you know the guy who had all the algorithms and the data when they called it for biden Trump was apoplectic and he probably took a handful of benzos and, you know, snorted his face off and was just sulking, you know, in some room. He wasn't even at the party with the rest of them that Rudy was getting drunk in. That's why the others tried to sort of keep Rudy away from him and they couldn't, right? That was the only consolation with Trump was how he could still steal money from these people because he didn't want to remain president. He wanted to remain in charge of the faucet that was a spigot, delivering money from people's hopes and dreams, you know, people's hard-earned money. Even if they're people you don't agree with, the MAGA folks, they don't need to be giving their money to Donald Trump. These were small donations. These are senior citizens thinking they're given $25 and not noticing that the box is checked, so that $25 or $100 is going to come out of their bank account every month which it did you know they fleeced people they bilked people saying send us money to stop the steal they lied to these people they preyed upon their emotions right and these people ponied up the cash and trump didn't spend any of it he hadn't even set up the pack that he said he was taking the money for he used it to pay off other people you know he paid don trump's girlfriend $60,000 to introduce her at the January 6th rally that came out today in the hearing that's insane he paid Mark Meadows a million dollars he paid five million dollars to some other pact oh to the uh, you know the America first pack or whatever it's called you know he was just handing out the money sort of to these you know straw men that were going to either kick it back to him or he was giving it directly to his hotels right but it's insane. He was just grifting and using it for his own good and lying about it, you know, and did that for months. And that's wire fraud, you know. The, the legal experts that are opining this afternoon on Twitter are like, that's classic wire fraud. When you say you're taking money for something and you use it for something else, that's what Bannon went to jail for, you know, got arrested for that Trump pardoned him. It was wire fraud. They said they were collecting money to build a wall and then they were just using it for their own, you know, Bannon was using it for cheap vodka and meth or whatever, you know, live kittens. I don't know what he eats. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? It's as disingenuous as it gets. And there's the president of the United States basically saying, hold up. I'm not going to say we lost yet. I can still grift these people. I don't have to leave until January, the end of January. You know, that's two months of good grifting. And we'll cap it all off with a big in-person rally. Oh, it was five million bucks. It was Event Associates, right? That was the 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 planning committee, and that's a great way to launder money. By the way, I worked in production, you know, so he can cut a big check to those guys, and they can kick some of it back to Trump, you know. It, it's literally money laundering, wire fraud, and theft, and that's what he was doing. That's what went down, and, and that's what's coming out in those hearings, these hearings, and we're too into them, right? We got so we got four more left. It's insane. It's insane what has already been revealed, and it's insane that we're here, that the guy who's doing that is thinking about announcing his next run, right? That's what he's mulling over now, sitting in Bedminster at his private golf course because he leaves Florida in the summer because it's too hot. So now he's in Jersey, not that it's much cooler. But um, he's sitter- he, you know, he should be sitting in a prison cell right now, and he's thinking about how he's gonna get to grift this again. Personally, I don't think he's gonna. I think this will be the end, okay? I don't think it'll be the end of MAGA, but I think it'll be the end of Trump as a financial instrument that can continue to grift people. Just like when Trump, you know, the charity got shut down, he couldn't do that anymore. When Trump, you got shut down, this will be like Trump Stakes or Trump Airlines. It'll be another failed business venture, Trump politics. But I think the end is upon us because... There seems to be no way that the DOJ can't get involved, right? I mean, they should have their own parallel investigations. Their their investigation is not incumbent upon what comes out at these hearings, right? But they should have enough of the same information and be working in concert with what's happening at the hearings to to, to announce charges. I mean, they should go after him for treason for wire fraud, for something that can stick and hobble him and end his career. Not for politics, but because he's a criminal, right? Because you shouldn't be able to get away with that in the United States of America. And for too long, men like Donald Trump have gotten away with certain crimes. Nobody's ever done anything like Donald Trump, which is the other amazing thing is that we've never been here before. You know, we haven't been in this much tumult probably since the Civil War, right? With politicians basically turning their back on the Constitution and the American way. But we've never seen it in modern times when it's so monetized, right? You know, they sent out, you know, 25 emails a day over those period of months. The last fundraising email went out a half an hour before they attacked the Capitol. Right? So he not only reached into their pockets, he reached into their hearts and their minds you know, and said, you're a brave warrior. You're fighting for me. Send me your cash. Bring your body to me and attack the capital on my behalf because you're fighting for America. Right? All a lie. All a ruse. And the nastier elements used it as an excuse. Right? This weekend we had a Patriot front convoy or whatever you want to call it, 31 dudes in the back of a U-Haul. I called it a U-Hile on Twitter, right? But we had guys that were going to commit violence against a pride rally, an LGBTQ rally in Idaho. They were going to attack good people out living their lives and celebrating pride, which you should be celebrating every day of this month. I'm so glad that there is pride. You know, I, I'm a child of a lesbian... Mother, I grew up around gay men and women, lesbian women, transgender folks. It's a wonderful, beautiful thing, and it should be celebrated. It's the best of us. All diversity is, you know. It's something to enjoy, and the fact that these folks have to now in this time feel an extra sense of menace as anybody does who's been marginalized by this hate and this grift is beyond the pale, and you guys know I talked about that a lot in my shows this week, but you know... I'm digressing for a moment in the fact that, like, so the militias, the patriot fronts, all these other slimy sort of, you know, subset of, of, of broken, scared white America that had always been existing up in Michigan Michigan and Idaho. And, you know, all these freaks were sort of brought out and able to perpetrate, or perpetrate their hate under this umbrella of Stop the Steal. Right? It became a circus tent that all these other nefarious elements, your proud boys, your oath keepers, you know, all these other whack jobs that really want to attack democracy and the American of life, American way of life, they were able to do it, you know, with Trump's blessing, you know, and and that has to be stopped. That's a danger that won't go away when Trump goes away. You know, MAGAism itself is, is here to stay for a couple generations. Most people don't want to hear that, but, you know, there's children being raised right now in households that all they hear is Fox News and worse, you know, and QAnon, and they think Kyle Rittenhouse is a hero, and, you know, they want to be just like him. There's a lot of bad things that we're going to have to deal with, you know, for a generation or two, but it doesn't mean... We're not going to survive, and the American way of life isn't going to survive. It is, because love always wins, as I always say. But the fact that Trump can no longer be the head of that will be very important to the future of this country. Probably nothing has been so important in any of our lifetimes. If you want to talk about the direction we're going in, okay? So as I say, a lot of that will survive, and somebody like DeSantis, who's already well positioned to snatch away the mantle of leadership from Trump, will most likely do that. You could see on Friday, there was an op-ed in the New York Post. They were like, it's time to dump Trump, essentially, you know, leave Trump behind. He's he's dead weight. I think that's what's going to happen. I think that's what will come out of these hearings. And that's not to say that, The MAGA people's minds are being changed, or they're even paying attention to the hearings, but it's so much in the public domain now, the actual facts. It's not just something Rachel Maddow is talking about, and, you know, we hear on Nicole Wallace, but the other side doesn't hear. It's in the public record. You know, it's in the public record that a drunk Rudy Giuliani talked him into the the stop-the-steal strategy. Not that he wouldn't have done it anyway, but it was Rudy who's really set this ball in motion and had the whole freak show clown car come up behind him, you know, with all these wacky lawyers and stuff, right? So that is now out there, and that's on the public record, and I think Murdoch's gonna see that as a damaged damaged goods, he's gonna see Trump as now, because Murdoch's the guy who's really calling the shots. It's the Koch brothers, it's the Heritage Foundation, you know, Leonard Leo, it's these kind of guys that are pulling the strings behind the scenes. And wouldn't you rather have a disciplined dictator like DeSantis than this, like, aging idiot, you know, who everybody has seen his dirty laundry aired and his crazy robotic children, you know, thinking it's an excuse to, you know, Jared Kushner was like, yeah, I wasn't paying attention. I was too busy doing the pardons, meaning selling pardons, you know, (laughs) to his buddies who were going to pay the top dollar. It's insane. It's insane. You know and, and it couldn't look worse for these guys and, and the smart money is going to bail on them and it's going to head over to desantis or something and that's where the rest of the battle comes in in terms of fighting for democracy and that's going against gerrymandering that's all the gop secretaries of states and stuff so they're going to learn from this and they're going to be a lot stealthier Next time when they try to steal this stuff, they're not going to have a big moronic imbecile sitting there in a diaper telling people to go attack the Capitol. Next time they won't have to, because because it'll happen at the state level. It'll be somebody like DeSantis who locks it up before it happens. But we're not going to let that happen. I'm just giving you kind of like you know the worst case scenario stuff. Sorry for the audio thing there, but anyway, you know. Trump being gone and Trump being hobbled and, and that whole administration being taken down a notch is a public service, you know, and hats off to to Chairman Thompson, he's the, the chair of the committee, hats off to uh, Liz Cheney, you know, Zoe Lofgren, Congresswoman Lofgren, like these guys are doing a great job. This thing is well-produced. This thing is like enthralling to watch. And it and it's insane and absurdist, but it's reality. It's what we were dealing with, and it's where we're at. And, and I think they're doing a real service to this country, and I think we're going to come out of this stronger. I think this is going to be a cathartic watershed moment, and, and, and it's long overdue. It should have happened long ago. Recording okay. in progress. So I think we're going to look back on this week and the next week as as something that changed in our dialogue. And I think it will be an opportunity for a lot of us to heal, because now it's, you know, now it's out there. It's in the public record, you know? And and it also, it does the job of making it look even more insane to be flying a Trump flag, right? Imagine watching that last Thursday and still putting a Trump sticker on your car and flying a flag you're basically saying i am not just a rebel i'm an insurrectionist right i'm down with the people that attack this country and that element is going to be out there you know i saw proud boys leadership logo insignias on a car on the west side highway thursday as i was driving back up to westchester from philly you know to do uh to listen to the hearings so it's out there but i think we, we we're gonna we're gonna have a, a a sea change to some extent in the way we deal with this, the way it's officially recognized for what it is. And thank God, right? Thank God, because they've all shown themselves, these GOP politicians, to be just the lowest common denominator, grifter, Elise Stefanik, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, Boebert. And that was the other big revelation, is that we learned at least five of them asked for pardons right and they're all denying it but that's gonna come out who asked for a pardon you know who participated in the overthrow of our government and then said can I get a pardon for that you know uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene probably thought that was a can I get one of them French things right that's insane these guys broke the law they asked for a pardon they're still sitting in Congress being chaos agents right but but it's only gonna be in starker relief that that's what they're really doing Jim Jordan hasn't written a piece of legislation in 16 years. He's not there to legislate. He's there to be a placeholder for authoritarianism, and that's what these other folks are there for. You know, They're there to hold the spot for a DeSantis or somebody else to come in. So the more they're exposed in this, the better off we all are. You know, The more that Fox News' role in this, I wish more people were pointing it out, but all these clips they show are Fox News clips. You know, they were on there every night, spreading the big lie, spreading poison into hearts, into homes, you know, with their American flag Chirons and their Aryan, you know, hosts, right, just spewing hatred, and people buy it, you know, that's the other thing is I've talked to a lot of people that skew that way these days, not just, not like full on MAGA nuts, but the kind of people, you know, I've talked about, like that I grew up with and stuff in the suburbs. And like, these people are good people at heart. At least that's how they view themselves. They don't think of themselves as racists and criminals supporting an insurrectionist. They think I'm a Republican. Why do you guys gotta be mean to me? You know? Our guy was great, and your guy's a communist, because that's what they're hearing. Right? And and now those same fringe element are calling Bill Barr. A communist today, Dinesh D'Souza, who got dissed, you know, with his 2,000 mules movie. In the testimony today, like went off and called Bill Barr a Marxist. Okay, Bill Barr, he of El Mozote massacre, you know, he who was arming the Contras against the Sandinistas, who did have <laughs> Marxist ties. Right? There, there's not a a less communistic person than sort of Bill Barr. He's a he's a proto-fascist capitalist okay he's not a communist right but um they're turning on each other is my point and all that and 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 that'll be awesome to witness because these guys are all reprobates they're all snakes right so they're gonna begin to flip on each other like you saw Ivanka trying to distance herself and flip on her father well I believed Bill Barr you know and I just kind of was checked out at that point, and then her dad tried to give her cover that she was checked out. She wasn't checked out. She showed up at the rally on January sixth. She sat in the meetings on July fifth. You know, she inserted herself into Carol Carolin Lin, Carol Linnig's and Philip Rocker's book. Right. She was a main source for that book who talked about like she was defending Bill Barr to her father. Like she painted herself in a very strategic light long ago, knowing this day was coming, that her testimony would be aired. Right. She tried to give herself an excuse. I promise you that Jared and Ivanka were involved in every detail in that White House up until the moment Trump got on his airplane or his, you know, helicopter and flew away and forgot to go, not forgot, refused to go to Biden's inauguration. Which is another thing that's never made much of, that just disgusts me. That an American president didn't have the balls to sit there and watch the man who had bested him take control. That he just flew away like a petulant child, and somehow that's accepted. Somehow the party that promotes a man so weak to do such a thing would still entertain him and fet him as their leader which is what they're doing to this day. So that is all gonna be much harder. But Ivanka and Jared knew everything that was going down, right? Jared got himself a built-in alibi by flying over the Mideast when it went down, getting his $2 billion payment, you know, and giving himself plausible deniability. Jared was the guy who set up the phone banks that Maddow reported on, right? They were working phone banks trying to get electors to turn against Biden in these states. Ginny Thomas had emailed like 27 Arizona reps trying to get them to flip. This was a well-organized thing with many people involved. I hope they go right down the list and, and, and talk about their culpability. They seem to be giving Ivanka a pass, but what more can you do? You show her and it looks bad enough, right? Just showing her face, you know, with all the filters and everything on. It just, you know, she looks, not human and that's what they were like they're like robots her and jared but they were running the show when i was around them when i was ivanka's handler i tell people this all the time trump wanted to get high he wanted to hit on women and he wanted music to play when he walks in the room meaning he wants instant gratification he's a narcissist right so he needs to fill this giant hole in his soul constantly so it's all about what he can get in that moment to feel powerful where those other two, they're better at strategic as, as W would say, right? They're better at the long game. And they're not facing any charges, by the way. They're not ever going to be really held accountable for their role in this. And they were both White House advisors. Carolyn Maloney, Representative Maloney, my neighbor on the Upper East Side and a friend of mine I really like Chairman Maloney, she's the chairman of the, chairwoman of the Oversight Committee, she's opening an investigation into what Jared did so it doesn't happen again, meaning if they have to put some procedural stuff in place to make sure nobody else can profit like he did from his time serving in the White House, then that will be the change, but they're not going after Jared per se, they just, you know, They subpoena him to testify, and he's going to be like, screw you, I'm not testifying, you know? And that's it. It's not criminal charges or anything. So, you know, people sometimes breathlessly share that stuff on Twitter, like, oh, good, now they're going after Jared. Like, Jared's bulletproof, okay? And he knows it, right? That was his arrogance in his own testimony. So, but at least it's happening, right? At least the next guy won't be able to grift as hard. And you need some of those sort of stopgaps, fail-safes, because it's insane to me that, like, the first group of, of sort of Lotharios that were involved are now running for office, right? Scott Pruitt is running for Senate in Kansas, you know? Ryan Zinke is running in Montana, I believe that's where he's from, right? Whitefish Montana was the electric company that he gave to his college roommate, to rebuild the infrastructure in Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria you know he gave his buddy a kickback you know a many many multi-million dollar like eighty million dollar contract to rebuild the electric grid he gave it to a company with 12 employees right while people were dying in Puerto Rico so that guy who left he had so many scandals he washed out same with with Scott Pruitt they washed out early because they had so many scandals. Ryan Zinke rode a horse to his inauguration, right, to his swearing in at the Interior Department. He rode a horse there on Independence Avenue. He made them hoist his own special flag that he had made up when he was inside the building, like he was the Queen of England or something. That's insane, right? That's absolutely insane, and you think people who did something like that would disappear forever because they would feel shame? But they don't because nothing gets, nothing sticks to them up until now. So they're able to run again. He's running again. You know, Scott Pruitt is running again. You don't want Scott Pruitt in the Senate, trust me, or Ryan Zinke. So that being said, maybe these hearings and these charges that will hopefully come afterwards, because if DOJ doesn't charge any of these guys, everything I'm saying is BS. Right. There has to be legal ramifications to this. If not, what do we stand for? Right. But hopefully that will be enough for voters, even in these red states to say, hey, that guy's tarnished. He's damaged goods. He was part of that criminal operation that pretended to be patriots and grifted us all, you know, because we need We need those people back. We need people to understand what we're facing. We need to become Americans again and start rising to some of these challenges, right? Climate change is bearing down on us. It was like 96 degrees when I was in Philly the other day. It's the first week of June, right? It's not just a heat wave. That's like scary heat. It was scary how hot it was, right? These storms are terrifying, you know? salt lake is drying up right and there's arsenic and all that salt so now when the wind blows it's going to blow arsenic into people's lungs like there's some horrific (laughs) things that we're facing i'm not trying to freak everybody out when i talk about climate my set everybody gets quiet i know it's hard to think about this stuff and talk about it but we're gonna have to and we're gonna have to do it in a positive way like hey we can make a change but we're all gonna have to do this and that's part of what the game plan was of the GOP. And that's why they were paid by people like the Koch brothers, right? Charles Koch and the Heritage Foundation. You know, these guys, Leonard Leo, these guys that sort of influence the the, the body politic on the right, they're oil men, right? They're gas and oil industry, and there's some good oil men. I'm not dissing everybody, okay? But the petrochemical industry, you know, Halliburton, these guys fracking, You know, these guys that want to do this stuff that's destroying public lands, that destroys the health of the people, they're always going to vote for the Republican because they're not going to hold them accountable. Scott Pruitt had a, a soundproof telephone booth put into his office so he could take calls with oil companies, right? While he was the EPA administrator, okay, he was handing it back. You know, like, that's letting the, the fox guard the hen house. And these guys know that. So they manipulate the population. That's why it was all like, do not comply. Do not wear a mask. Do not get vaccinated. Why do you think they inserted that into the dogma of the GOP when it came to the pandemic? Because they want to train them to not comply when we have to ask people to conserve fuel, to use a smaller vehicle. You know, to do all the things that we're going to have to do if we want to save this planet. And they were able to insert that into a a population of people that worships authority more than anybody else, right? Nobody worships authority like Republicans. It's all like, God bless our troops. God bless our cops. God bless Ronald Reagan. You know, whatever conservative sort of like establishment iconography you can muster up, they're all right there with the hand over their heart, pledging allegiance, right? But when it came time to do something for the greater good, what was the message they were delivered? Do not comply, right? You've got to think about that and think about the reasons behind it and who's manipulating it. You know, follow the money behind the ideology and you'll see what's happening. You'll see who's pulling these strings and you'll see why. And you don't want to let somebody like Charles Koch ruin your country any further. You know, he's already ruined states to some extent like West Virginia. You know, it's a crime what's happened to the environment. But they have a bought and paid for politician in Joe Manchin, who's been corrupt since day one, who's been bilking his own citizens since the 80s. As I've talked about on this podcast before, you know, with his gob, with his cheap coal that he gets to be the one purveyor of for this power plant you know that's what's going to happen these people are going to make us sick they're going to ruin the country with environmental environmental degradation and pollution so they can make record profits and they have the perfect storm now because they can blame gas prices on biden it's not biden's fault you know exxon mobil is experiencing record profits right now right they got the war in ukraine they got sanctions on russia they got you know potential inflation at home and they got a willing Party in the GOP willing to blame it on the other guy and sit by while they reap a bunch of cash, right? Because they get to blame it on Biden. And that's simple stuff. It's again, it's the kind of thing that'll easily affect people that are voting, you know, with their pocketbook, which is how most people vote, you know. And I know it's not easy paying more for gas. No one's like reveling in that, even though other countries do that. It's 10 bucks a gallon in Finland right, it's been over five bucks a gallon in Europe forever, right, we're the only ones who thought it was our God-given right to have two dollars gas in a car that's 40 feet long, you know, with a gigantic engine, we don't need that, right, we don't need that anymore, let's be smart, let's enjoy the world, you know, we should be riding bicycles in major cities, there's a great piece on bicycles in a recent New Yorker, you know, At one point when bicycles were invented, people were like, this is the bomb, you know, this is the way to get around, this is the most efficient way to travel, we beat the animals in terms of efficiency, it's like flying, you're sitting on the bike and you're just, you know, it uses less calories to ride a bike than it does to ride a horse, you know, it was replacing the horse in an easy technology. And when cars were invented, a lot of the people that were involved in bicycle manufacture, of which there was like over millions of them, sold in like 1894 or whatever, right? And then when cars came out, people were like, no one's going to want a car. They're smelly. You know, they put out this exhaust. They're loud. It's stupid. We already got bikes. (laughs) But it didn't work out that way, as we all know. You know, and the car became king. And the car runs on gas, right? And the gas industry and the oil industry is the real king because they got wealth that the world had not seen before and it's only a relatively short amount of time that those people have gotten that amount of wealth But it's been so influential at the same time being devastating to the planet that they have their talents into all these politicians and all these organizations and they manipulate people with these populist issues, with this white Christianity cultdom that's now on the rise in this country, it's all about money, you know. The Koch brothers lived at 740 Park Avenue. You know they're not hanging out in Alabama with all these people, you know that are that are doing their bidding. They're out in Bridgehampton. Rudy Giuliani's got an estate in Bridgehampton. You know when he's getting drunk and telling Trump to tell everybody it's a lie and grift him. He's getting money for his, lo- you know, for his hedges to be trimmed, you know, and for his private chef and stuff. Like, there's nobody more unpatriotic, un, you know, Republican than these guys that have co-opted the Republican Party. I mean, there, there couldn't be anything further from what the lie is they're perpetrating. Per- perpetrating right? Trump had Bill Clinton and Melania. Or he had Bill Clinton and Hillary at his wedding to Melania. You know, he was a Democrat when I worked for him. He switched in 2008 because he was such a racist, he couldn't stand that Obama was becoming president because his dad groomed him to think he was somehow superior to a black man who was his superior in every way you could be superior to somebody. Barack Obama was superior to Trump. His children were superior to Trump's children. Trump's kids are idiots Okay, Trump is an idiot, you know? Like there, there, there was, it was no contest in superiority and stuff like that hurts if you're raised in racism, if your dad was a KKK member as Trump was, right? So it attacks his very being and that's what the loss was, right? That's why he was able to go along with it and so many others were able to like just trot out whatever crazy theory they had of the day, You know, du jour, like, oh, they're they're, they're bringing in truckloads of ballots or whatever. And all these things that Bill Barr testified today that he knew was complete bullshit and told the president was bullshit. Trump would show up at a news conference the next day and pull up a little poster that he had somebody make. See, they were bringing in ballots in the middle of the night. The reason he was able to fight so hard to hold on to that lie was because his whole identity is about not being perceived as a loser. He didn't care about becoming president. He spent a year of his presidency on the golf course, right? He doesn't know how to read. Imagine being president, you don't know how to read, and everybody's just putting stacks of papers on your desk all day, and you really don't know how to comprehend the words on those pages unless somebody explains it to you or draws a picture. I'm not being funny. Like, that's the level of comprehension he has. You know, he's a brain-damaged, drug addict-like moron, you know? So he didn't enjoy that job, but he enjoyed the power and the pomp and the circumstance. And the thought of losing that is almost a fate worse than death death for a narcissist like Trump. And that's why he couldn't bear to go to the inauguration. I mean, he'd already soiled himself, so to speak, by what he pulled on January 6th. (laughs) And that's so to speak. That's not the literal thing. But, uh, you know, so that's where it's at. And I think these hearings are going to do a lot to, to paint that picture. I'm trying to fill in the psychological gaps behind it. But I think putting that in the record, you know, and talking about it that way, the way it is being presented is a wonderful thing. So hats off to those guys doing that. A lot of obviously hard work went into all this and I think it's exceeding expectations. So kudos and I'll shut up now. I'll talk about them more when I do the podcast next week. And we'll have two more hearings under our belt. But I just, you know, I wanted to to kind of get to you and talk about that stuff. And I hope people got a chance to watch the Tonys. I worked on the Tony Awards for 20 years. I have some real highlights from working on the Tonys. I went to theater school. You know, I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. I love plays. I can't sing. I like the musical theater, too, you know. And I just want to say that the host last night, Ariana DeBose, I think is her name. It's still all my friends that do the production and stuff. But that host was magical. She was amazing. That was one of the best hosts I'd seen in a long time. And I've seen some great moments with hosts. But the the way she was able to make it look easy, be youthful, joyful, it was really something. So I'm really proud of all my friends that were involved in that. And, And I'm proud of the way... They were able to sort of made it use made it make it use, youthful. I can't talk today; it's very hot. I did another podcast before this with Pete Dominic that he's going to air on his website or whatever. But uh, so I apologize for the lack of diction. But anyway, she was amazing. You know, all the winners were amazing. Congratulations to them all. It was a great mix of old Broadway with this new stuff, and I'm all for representation. You know my friend is in the band in the strange loop thing like that just looks great i love that that is out there and that that one the jukebox musicals i'm kind of over i can skip the mj thing as you guys know i was or may not know i was michael jackson's escort a couple times maybe i'll talk about that someday maybe i won't i know he means a lot to a lot of people but like those things where it's just like singing and dancing the songs i mean obviously there's a book somewhere but to me that didn't uh that didn't grab me but that's the trend on broadway is all these jukebox musicals They're like hey you all like michael jackson come on and listen to michael jackson but something new something that's going to show a story that we haven't seen before which is what that young playwright had in his musical representation something that's going to expand the envelope you know, and and make humanity more accessible for others. That's what I talk about in my shows. Bring that on, man, because then we get to understand each other and you realize, hey, man, that guy's no different than me and I get what that struggle must be like, you know? I think that guy really was an usher on Broadway and now he just won a Tony. For you guys who may not be involved in the theater and know how hard that is, (laughs) it's like me being behind the scenes and doing stand-up the way I am now like it's a dream come true and a privilege every night I get to go out and perform for an audience I'm like I am the luckiest guy in the world people are showing up to listen to me it's an honor you know and I go out there with a heart full of love and try to share from my experience as honestly and as engagingly as I can you know and I always like ah I wish I'd given more I wish I'd done this because I have so much love You know, for my audience, and I know how lucky I am to have my moment to say something. So for a kid like that, to go to that level, to win a Tony Award, that's a sign of good things to come, right? Because you know what it means? It means all the other producers are going to be now looking for plays and musicals that are outside of the norm because they want to be the Tony winner next year. That's how it works, right? That's what Hamilton did. You know, it broke down a lot of doors and changed a lot of minds about how we can think about the theater, and the theater needs to evolve. It's a living thing, and it's part of the arts that help us understand ourselves, and it's part of the stuff that Reagan and these same guys I just railed on for an hour don't want to, to have happen, right? They don't want people understanding each other. They want to promote racism and narrow-mindedness, because if you see a man as your brother, you ain't going to attack him, Right? You're gonna love them. And you're gonna have empathy, and that's what's gonna make the world a better place. So it was a victory for empathy, and it was just a celebration of the performing arts and a really good time show. So I just wanted to mention that, give a big shout out. I'll tell you some other time. some highlights. You know, but uh, when uh, when uh, Hamilton won was a good time, and uh, there was some other. You know, there was a. Now nah, I'll get into it another time. There was, there was some other things that, that were very uh, beautiful that happened in, in my time there. Lin-Manuel sat at a table next to me in one particular year when Neil Patrick Harris was hosting, and he wrote this thing. It was the opening number, and it was about, welcome to the theater. If you're some kid sitting at home in Iowa right now, and you don't feel like you fit in, and you might be gay or whatever, this is for you. This is your night. This is what your life can become you know, and it was just a celebration of inclusiveness and song and dance, and I fucking watched, sorry for cursing, I watched this guy write this, I watched Neil Patrick Harris perform it, and when I went home, I watched the replay on TV, and I sat there and cried, because it was probably the most powerful thing I'd been involved in, in my time in live TV, because I was like, man, that's what we put out there tonight, I'm all for that, you know, because it was going to hit its intended target and it was going to make some kid feel better and that kid was going to come to New York or LA or wherever he needed to go or stay home and write a play put on a musical that was going to make his little patch of earth better right and that's what the arts can do they bring us together and help us understand each other they hold up a mirror and they let us celebrate in a stylistic artistic way That's also very hard to do and it's fun to watch so what's not to love about that right? Well, I love you guys. I love that you're listening to this. I love that I got to meet so many of you this week. Thanks to each and everyone who came and everybody who came up and talked to me. Reach out to me so I can, you know, contact you one-on-one. It gets overwhelming after the shows, but uh, just know you're in my heart. Know I love you. Know that love always wins. I'll be back next week. Stay, stay, you know, stay seated because there's more to come. All right. Talk to you later. Peace.